Hi guys, welcome back to the Adaptive Zone podcast. My name is Matthew Boyd. I'm a physiotherapist and running coach. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to like and subscribe. And if you're so inclined, share it with a friend. Today we are joined with Gab Lesnett, who is also a physio and a running coach. Gab, welcome to the Adaptive Zone podcast. Thanks. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So to get us started, could you tell us a little bit about you and your professional work? Yeah, so I'm a physical therapist um, out of Philadelphia. Um, I've been a PT for uh, six years now, almost seven, and I currently work with just runners digitally and uh, in person in Philly. So super excited to talk all things running with you today. Awesome. And um, what we're going to talk about today is kind of injuries and like off season or, or winter training or non not not like race season training. Um, I'm, I'm hesitant with my words because regular listeners will know we had Jason Fitzgerald on a couple of weeks ago ranting about how he doesn't like the word off season. But like just for ease of like communication, I'm going to say it. But what I mean <laughs> is not the time of year where there's any races, the cold time of year which would be like now, November, December, January, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, and apparently it's the other way around, down under. So <laughs> my, my few <laughs> Australian listeners, you could listen to this in six months. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're into that winter season now, so. And the way um, I thought we could approach this would be to have like a case study and, and sort of talk through it, if, if that sounds good. Yeah, I think that's great. Cool. So that this, okay, everybody has to be subjected to me reading out loud for just a minute while I describe the scenario that I've written out. And uh, yeah, bear with me, guys. I'll do my best. Okay. Sophie has had trouble with injuries since each season for the last four years. She likes to do two to three half marathons and a couple of 10K races each year. Usually training goes well for the first one or two months as she builds up a training volume around the start of the year. However, as the training volume and intensity increase, she finds that her body can't handle it and she develops an injury. In the last four years, she's had patellofemoral pain, IT band pain, Achilles tendinopathy, and shin splints. Achilles tendinopathy was the problem this last season, and she struggled to do the sprint work in the hills. The injuries are never so bad that she can't train or do races, but she can't push herself as hard as she wants to for fear of flaring it up. Sophie is wondering if she's doing something wrong in the off-season. She wonders if she should be doing more specific preparation work to help her make sure her body can handle the training stress as she ramps up for the next season. She usually runs 20 to 30 miles a week during the in-season. This includes one higher-intensity workout. She usually gets about 12 or 16-week half-marathon training plans off the internet and follows those. She doesn't do much cross-training of any real significance but enjoys a bit of hiking and biking during the summer during the winter or the off season sophie runs about 10 to 20 miles a week she doesn't usually do any faster interval work as she lives in canada and she worries about slipping on the ice and hurting herself why might sophie be having the trouble with recurring injuries that she is having gab yeah so I think when we're when we're talking about our off season or our winter season, if you want to start there, um, I think that's a good place to start. Yeah. Um, I always like to look at what the transition looks like between 
the off season and, you know, her 12 or 16 week training block. And I think there's this lost period of time for most people in between of what I like to call like a base building phase. And I see a lot of um, recreational runners going from their off season of running 10 to 20 easy miles a week to jumping into this uh, 12 week program and ramping up uh, too much or too quickly. So I'd love to, you know, get a better lens into what her ramping up period looks like, or if she's diving right into the the season. So um, I feel like that's a big a big piece of it uh, for okay. starters. How how if she were doing that, if she was just going from what I just described, like um, you know, kind of half a weekly mileage, ten to twenty miles a week, and and not doing any um, intensity, and she was going to start a a training program, let's say a 16 week half marathon program or something, how might she bridge that gap and how long should she spend doing it? Yeah, I'd love to see a few more for like easier speed sessions that weren't as structured, but maybe something like sprinkling in some fartlicks or some strides even just to get the legs moving. Um, I also think it's important to chat through what her goals are. So is her goal to you know, make an improvement or is it to be healthy? And I think those are two different, um, look like two different things when we're talking about training and preparing for, uh, you know, a specific race build too. When you say healthy, do you mean like general physical health or like stop getting injured all the time health? Well, not getting injured all the time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how might it be a little different if she were focused more on resolving this injury trouble? Yeah. So, I think this the off season time is a great time to address some of those injuries. And I think step one of that is identifying what's causing it. Um, and then from there, finding ways to, to address the problem. So not just treating the symptoms, but addressing like, hey, how come every season I keep, you know, getting this Achilles issue? Um, and whether that's working with uh, a wonderful physical therapist in the off season or, um, you know, diving deeper into what other things that she could add into her off season um, to build that strong base that way in her during her season during her training she can more so go into more of like a maintenance phase with some of these things and not be trying to um, you know combat this injury or underlying issue while also working towards her running goals because those can be uh, two things that don't feed off of each other too well. Is there something specific that you had on your mind that might be, um, you know, you were saying, see if you could identify any reasons why this keeps happening. Is there, is there something on your mind that you might be like looking out for that you see with people um, about what they do in the off season? Yeah. So you're what they're doing, what they're doing in the off season or what, um, what maybe that was going wrong during season. Are you oh, I see what you mean. So you think it might be something about the in-season training that is causing um, the issues and it's not necessarily the off-season? Yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of times with an, when we're talking about like a reoccurring injury, it's there's like the two factors of, hey, what's going on at an anatomical level in terms of how your body's performing? And then there's, well, what are you doing to your body? You know, what's the input in terms of what does the training look like? And mm. I think the off season is a good time to address what's going on with 
you know, the anatomy and physiology of how your body's working and adapting to stress. Um, and then obviously during season, we could dig further into, you know, hey, is this 12 week program you're getting off the internet appropriate for, for you? Um, okay. What are those things that you would think about in the off season? Um, that you, it sounds like you had something on your mind there with people that you, you might see that they have trouble with. Yeah, I think um, doing the like doing her low mileage is okay if that's what she wants or um, fits her lifestyle. Um, but then also kind of ramping up some strength training and getting into those areas that she could benefit from working on. Um, and then, uh, like I said, I think I think keep maintaining some of that speed work um, for someone like her who does look like she's trying to from what I'm from what you're saying, like trying to maybe improve in the half or the 10k and does want to work on that speed, but is having that trouble ramping up, like not just like bringing it all the way down. So I would say like maybe just sprinkling in some, some of those like fart licks or strides would be a nice way to uh, keep the tendons healthy and uh, adapt better once she ramps back up. So it sounds like like the removal of any faster running is maybe something that you're suspicious of might be causing these troubles with recurring multiple injuries. Uh, what what might why might that be the case? Um, just the way that uh, the unique way that running requires the response from the tendon, so the quick shortening and uh, recoil of the tendon when you run and the repetitive nature. So. Um, outside of the cardio and endurance side of things. So went with her when we're especially talking about like an Achilles tendinopathy or, you know, trouble with something like a hill. So if you're just totally ramping that down, you're losing your body's uh, conditioning to that type of input. So I think maintaining a decent baseline while still having that recovery time to reset can be nice. What, what do you think about that? In terms of losing the... Yeah, it's the, the stretch shortened cycle is what the Australian researchers like yeah. to call it, right? It's like that. I call it um, like impact tolerance or, or um, plyometric tolerance. It's that um, when you, if you stretch out a, a spring like a tendon and then let it go, right? Like if you, if you take like an elastic band and stretch it and let it go, it'll, it'll kind of recoil and that's what tendons do. And they they have a certain frequency so if you if you let it if you land and step again more slowly then you're not going to stretch it out and let it go quite so quickly so what'll happen is the tendons will kind of adapt to what you're doing so if you're doing lots of let's say zone two running you're doing lots of easy running you can have a certain cadence right a certain step rate and your tendons will adapt to that so if she spends like three or four months running with this same like lower cadence her tendons will change and become very tolerant and efficient at doing that. The collagen will change in terms of its like springiness and what it responds to. If she then introduces speed work, so she starts increasing her speed. So the magnitude of the stretch and the shorten and the frequency. So it's more, it's happening quicker because when you run quicker, your cadence increases, then she's going to be asking the tendon to do that stretch shorten uh, sort of snapback much quicker and much more powerfully 
but she's just spent, you know, two or three months training the tendon to adapt to do it much more slowly. So then that I think that shock between the two is is one of the reasons that people often develop Achilles tendinopathy or patella tendinopathy in the spring, because they slow everything down in the winter, and they don't have that fast stretch shorten uh, cycle, which is um, also at a larger magnitude from those speed workouts, which is why I think it's so important that they they keep it in. And that's just for tendons, right? There's there's other tissues as well that need it. Yeah, 100%. And um, I think going off that too, you know, incorporating some sort of plyometrics, if she's someone who, you know, maybe is afraid to run, like, you know, you mentioned not maybe wanting to run outside in the, in the Canada ice. Um, mm. So maybe also a great time to incorporate some plyometric, uh, plyometric training during this time as well. Could you describe for the listeners a bit more what you would mean by plyometrics or something you might have Sophie do, for example, if she's really not keen to run faster intervals outside because she doesn't want to slip over and hurt herself and you want her to yeah. get that faster stimulus into our legs and um, what kind of things she, could she do in the gym potentially that would allow that? Yeah, so I feel like an easier way to say plyometric training is like jump training for some yep. people. Um, so I love just starting off with hopping on two legs or sometimes I'll call it like invisible jump roping. If you don't have a jump rope, um, starting on two feet, you could progress to hopping on one leg. Um, and then from there, really simply, you could draw a, um, T on the ground and hop from one side to the other, creating that box and progressing that to one leg and timing it for say 30 seconds on each leg. And you do that, um, for four times, take a little rest and then do another four or five times. Um, another thing I like to incorporate for people who have been, you know, maybe already integrating some, some plyometrics to their routine, but want to make it more run focused is to add a metronome to some plyometrics. So I love to do like a simple step tap. So alternating step taps, um, to a metronome, um, to kind of get that what you were talking about before in sync with your cadence and be a bit more rhythmical. Uh, What's a step tap? Um, so standing in front of a, a stair, like a oh, yeah, cardio yeah. stair gym and tapping your toe and alternating, uh, tapping, tapping on the stair. I don't have a better way of, uh, yeah, no, no, <laughs> I, got, I got you. I got you. I thought you meant step <laughs> as in stepping forward, but you mean step as in an actual like physical step. So you're sort of, you're, you're jogging, but you're tapping your toes on the step from the ground yeah, each time. Yeah. Pine knees, but you're tapping yeah. the step. And then with that, like what kind of rate do you set the metronome to for that kind of thing? Yeah, it definitely depends on, uh, depends on the person. I'd start around maybe a hundred, a uh, hundred beats per minute. Okay. Yeah. And so that, uh, they're doing that how often, like once or twice a week? Yeah. Twice. I think twice a week is nice, especially if you're not planning on doing the more of like those speed sessions we were just talking about. So those, those plyometrics could potentially substitute in if she doesn't want to do sprint intervals or something like that. Um, or even if she is, that would just be further like stimulus to keep that um, elasticity in the, in the tendons. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, but I think it's um, a nice, you know, a nice option, but I always say like the best way to improve your running or get better at running is to run. Right. Mm -hmm. So 
maybe doesn't replace it an eye for an eye i think it's um, a great option yeah so potentially an indoor track or some faster intervals on the treadmill if she's confident doing that um and some plyometric work thrown in maybe when she goes to the gym and um so she was thinking maybe like strength or core work do you think that's a relevant factor here that she isn't doing anything like that um apart from running she just she's just running in the winter yeah i think i think adding that uh even just a general strength program even if she, especially if she's not used to it or comfortable with it she'll see such a big gain in global strength in a short period of time um that'll really i think help make her feel stronger and more resilient to things when she starts running again mm-hmm. okay and then what what might that look like yeah i mean i like to I, I actually it's funny this past fall i've worked with a few runners who um never were very like intimidated by strength training or have never done it and i think a lot of people think it has to be this you know crazy routine that they you know don't know the names of anything but I think starting really simply and trying to hit some key muscle groups is great for people. So um, a calf raise and progressing to a single leg calf raise um, is great. Uh, Getting in some hamstring work, whether it be a hamstring curl or um, a deadlift and a single leg deadlift. Of course, a squat, a lunge, and maybe like a uh, rear foot elevated split squat. Um, so I definitely like to balance getting in some stuff that's still, you could still load and get a heavier weight on and not just doing everything on one leg. Cause I think sometimes runners deviate to that uh, almost too much of, mm. you know, oh, I heard we should work out on one leg more, but um, then you can't, you know, use as much weight for it. So really trying to figure out like why you're doing something and making sure you have a balance of meeting all of all of your goals for exercise so with the strength work how often so sophie's not doing any at the minute um and she's not very experienced with it like how often should she be doing some strength work to try and help prepare her for next season yeah i think starting with twice a week is nice for most people who are doing nothing because um what happens is you're gonna you know maybe get a little sore or take some time to figure out what the best uh you know intensity and uh frequency is like for you so you definitely want to make sure you're recovering well so i think starting with twice and then maybe in the off season ramping up to three times or so would be nice but i would definitely start with uh two and see how you respond make some changes and then see if you can progress a bit from there during the off season and in terms of this strength work so you mentioned the calf um hamstring curls Squats, lunges, deadlifts seems like the the kind of routine that you might uh, have someone doing. But she she was wondering about core work in particular. Do you think that's specifically important or not so much with with Sophie? Um, I mean, based on what I I think core work is always everyone can always benefit from from doing core work. Um, but something like an Achilles tendonitis, which you know, I think you said was kind of what was most impactful for her last year. It's always important to look above and below whatever joint is involved. So a lot of times with something below the knee, you know, working the hip back and core can be super helpful. So definitely choosing, you know, maybe two or three core exercises. Um, 
and including that in her strength program can be great, but um, I think a lot of times the core gets a lot of blame for for stuff when there's other things at play as well. So okay, so include a couple of exercises into the strength routine that she needs to get doing, but not so much um, a specific focus on it. It sounds like. Yeah, I mean. I think the other thing to keep in mind is a lot of those exercises that we just talked about can, uh, you know, are working the core and the back in different ways, even if, even though it's not, you know, a crunch or something that seems, yeah. like, oh, you know, it's a, I'm doing this for the core. So, yeah. Yeah. I seem to remember reading one time that EMG studies showed back squatting was like as, as hard on your core as planking or something like that. It was like, it was like a, a squat was, working your abdominal muscles as much as I can't remember what the specific exercise was, but it was more of a typical uh, core exercise. But then you're working your legs as well when you're squatting or lunging and all those all those things. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely definitely using those muscles with with most most exercises. So I I love those studies like that are always interesting. In terms of so we've touched on that she needs to have some speed work or some plyometric exercises that she could do with her strength work, which you want to get her doing at least a couple of times a week. And the exercises you mentioned, um, very, very simple kind of exercises. And, and I'm guessing she would just start with maybe body weight and then add like weights to it. Or how would you approach getting accustomed a to the, the weights side of it? Yeah, I think. Deciding whether to do body weight or to jump right into weight, I'd have to, I'd, I'd love to, you know, work with someone and see uh, what's what's going on. Because a lot of times people are stronger than they think. So um, with choosing a weight, I love to tell people to maybe find like their 15 rep max for something like, you know, for someone like Sophie, for something like a squat and choose a weight. How many, how many squats do you think you could do with that uh do 15 reps with where you feel like, okay, if I did 16, it would not look great or it'd be really, really hard. Hmm. Um, and a lot of times it's a lot heavier than people think. So I see, especially, you know, people who are uncomfortable or have never uh, shang trained before, maybe they grab like 10 pounds or something. And then they're like, oh man, I did 15. I feel like I could do 15 more. And that would be an indication to choose a higher weight. So I think most people, if, you know, Sophie sounds like she's athletic and, you know, despite not strength training is probably pretty strong if she's running, uh, you know, three half marathons a year, but just in a different way. Um, so I think most, most recreational runners could start with a, a bit of weight, um, instead of kind of getting trapped in the, the body weight zone and yeah. waiting till they're ready. But okay, like, what cool. do you think about it? I do too. I, I share the same experience. So I'll often just start runners with weights and presume they can do it. And um, give them like an amount and I'll say, okay, you can do four sets of eight, choose a weight that you think you can do with good form um, and and use that. Like whatever the heaviest you think you can do and your form still is good. Um, and people kind of know when they're kind of crumpling under their form under the last yeah. rep or two. And I think that's that's a reasonable place to start because like you said, you might waste three or four weeks you know, slowly going from body weight to two five pounders to two tens. And then you find out that the person should have been doing two fifty pounders for their lunch. You know, be, sometimes people are a lot stronger than you think. And you can't tell by looking at someone how strong they are. You know, I've been quite surprised by some runners I've worked with in the past who, you know, 
two or three sessions into working with them, they're doing 400 pound deadlifts. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I can't do that. I've been strength training like my whole life, you know? So, um, so it's, it's like you said, you, you want something that's going to challenge them so that they get stronger. So I don't think you need to be as conservative as runners usually are when it comes to getting into strength training. There's almost this kind of, um, like if it's too hard, you won't be able to do it. You'll pick up a weight, you'll go to do a lunge, you'll be like, nope, that's too heavy. You, you, we kind of know, we have this kind of self-preservation. So it's almost self-limiting is the worst I was looking for. Like it's unlikely you're going to pick something so heavy you hurt yourself. Um, even, if it, even if you're new to strength training, as long as you, you know you're not like looking at what the person next to you is doing on their back squat and just like, you know, just putting that up because they look about the same size as you. It's like just start with something sensible is is usually fine yeah totally and um and then i think going off that too is not being afraid to progress it and using that like going back to talking about the off season like using that off season to progress that weight and knowing that you know if on week one you started with you know x amount of weight the body adapts to that and gets you're not getting the same effects you're getting week one of using that weight for say your squat as you're getting on, you know, by the time you hit week four. So really focusing in that off season of progressing that weight um, can be a really big game changer and making the most out of your time uh, during the workout. Cool. Okay. So we want to strength training a couple of times a week, pretty simple formula and ideally using some weight unless there's a you know, she's particularly weak and it's unexpected, but we would expect most runners um, who can do the kind of mileage she's been doing and the kind of races she's been doing to be able to use weights pretty much straight away. And we're going to include some plyometrics in that to try and keep that tendon elasticity um, or ideally continue a little bit of higher intensity intervals during the off season. But if that's really not possible because outside isn't very safe for the weather and indoors is not accessible for whatever reason, plyometrics might make a good substitute or a nice bonus and that they're the kind of main changes we've made so far in terms of volume what what do you think about what she's doing with that volume she drops down to about 10 to 20 in the in season she's about 30 to 40 kind of thing how do you feel about that do you think that's appropriate or do you think it's it's too little or too much I think it's I think it's okay for a short period of time. Like realistically, everyone has different things going on, right? So, you know, if she was a professional runner, maybe that would be a different recommendation. But I think some recreational runners just have different times when, you know, they're just not loving it and they're yeah. they want to do 10 to 20 miles. I think the key though is how she's progressing out of that 10 to 20 and um it being uh more gradual as opposed to going from running you know a couple of times a week at that low level to full-blown jumping into you know a training block uh like i said before so as opposed to like trying to change and feeling this like pressure of like oh man if i only am running 10 to 20 miles a week i'm gonna blow all of my progress from this year but feeling like okay if i can focus on you know, like some of those concepts we just talked about outside of running, but then looking ahead at what do I want my year to look like? Like what races am I going to do? When do I want to start my, you know, 12 or 16 week training block? And what do I need to do? You know, those four to six weeks 
prior to starting the training training block that's going to set me up for success. Yeah. So she might be looking at that at like January because a lot of people will start those training programs around February. And then in January, really, if she's dropped her volume down, she wants to be thinking about adding a little bit more back each week. So there's a gradual on-ramp rather than a sharp increase by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's realistic for for most people and kind of takes the uh, the stress off of that time when maybe running isn't as much of a priority for you. And in terms of running technique, do you think that's a good time of year to to work on your technique? Or do you think that, you know, because you're not running as much and, you know, as focused on it, it's better to do that like within the season or how, how do you think she should approach that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think it depends on, I, I think there's so much, uh, around running technique, right? Like how is she running and how, how much of a change is she trying, trying to, or needs to make, um, Mm. I never like to get too in the weeds with people with totally transforming technique because I think you've kind of been running that way your whole life, right? But if we can make it 5% better, that's great. Um, I think the off season is a good time to do that because if you're trying to make that change and kind of in your head about it, maybe when you are during season trying to make those changes, but also trying to recover and doing your speed um, when you change your running form. If you may be overcorrected, you're putting some new stress on the body. Um, So if you're already kind of overloading and putting a lot of stress in with all of your, um, you know, ramping up your training program, it might not be the best time to make this like drastic running form change. Okay, cool. And then in terms of you know, she's having these repeated injuries. Could it be, you know, she mentioned she's not doing any other um, cross training. Do you think there's other specific cross training type of things that she should be doing? Yeah, I think if, if you're someone who, you know, your body, and it's pretty clear that when I'm ramping up my mileage, I'm not responding well, and, and you feel like you've tried everything, and you're just not responding well to that higher mileage, that might be a great time to sub in some um, some of the like base runs with some sort of cross training, whether it's biking or swimming or something you have access to. Mm, okay. And then she's she's also wondering about like, is she doing enough stretching or mobility work, that kind of thing? Do you think that's something that she needs to specifically focus on during the office season or that people do generally? Yeah, I I think making that a priority, you know, before and after you run is the part no one wants to (laughs) wants to do and we want to hop right into it. But um, I think even just for your nervous system, like having that time to kind of switch off from whatever you were doing, you know, at work or during your day and getting the body ready to exercise, you know, even if even if the it's not even like a technical mobility or stretching thing that she needs, I think just starting from that level of getting the brain and body into the space of exercising is, um, is wonderful. And then, uh, it's always beneficial for the tendons to, um, get some, get some stretching and mobility in, but overall, I think, I think something I'd love to hear what you think about this, but, um, I think most runners are kind of tight, right? Like we use 
the hamstring tension and uh, Achilles tension to our benefit with with running. So the goal of stretching isn't to be able to you know fold yourself in half as a runner, right? So um, I think sometimes you know every runner comes in like, oh man, I'm so tight. You know I've been stretching this and doing that and you want to feel good and have good quality of movement. So if something's, you know, bothering you, like in her case, you know, she has quite a bit going on here. Um, so that might be a time to take a peek, like mobility wise, what's going on. But I think sometimes um, runners put all the blame on being tight when it's like, have you ever met a runner who can, you know, bring their thigh up to their forehead or something. So I think that's like something to keep in mind too, and take some stress out for people. Yeah, generally speaking, I don't um, look to blame mobility unless there's some specific reason that we would. Uh, so uh, one of my athletes springs to mind at the minute that he has this recurring uh, pain in this kind of in his backside area, like just in the gluteal area. And we were just getting him to do some exercises for strength work, and he was struggling to perform some of them, particularly the lunge, and no, sorry, particularly the single leg deadlift. And then we got, then we had a look at like his range of movement. It was far reduced on that side. So it sort of led back from that. I'm having this trouble. I'm having difficulty doing this exercise. Then we look at mobility. It's like, okay, it's an issue. So rather than presuming that any pain that we have or any difficulty that we have, or the fact that we don't have any, and we just need to do lots of mobility work. And um, I prefer to go the other way. Like if there is a problem, like let's look at that area. Is there a particular restriction that is unusual that might be contributing rather than presuming that we need to do spend a lot of time on mobility without really knowing if it helped or not if we were to do that yeah no i totally agree and that's exactly how i uh approach uh you know prescribing someone mobility or stretching as well so that's great yeah you see if it's causing an issue so for for sophie like her issues have been in multiple different areas so you know, if it was the Achilles every year for five years, I'd be thinking, well, is the ankle or the forefoot or, or the midfoot or the, the big toe stiff? Is that causing increased stress in that area that the, the Achilles can't adapt to? But because it's been a bunch of different places, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be as suspicious of that. Yeah, her all of the various injuries lead it to look more of like a volume or a training issue as opposed to, you know, mm. maybe something going on at the mobility or... Uh, mobility level i suppose that's a good takeaway for the listeners is that um are you dealing with a recurring issue every year like let's say an achilles that is a problem every year uh, or is it you just seem to get injured a lot but it's a bunch of different places then maybe it's more of a training habits kind of thing and some of these things that we've talked about with sophie might be missing like reducing intensity too much in the winter or um not including some plyometrics or not doing any strength training or sustaining um like the her aerobic base through more like biking and cross training and that kind of thing so these these are some things to think about if you're having these issues in lots of different places to not let your off season detrain you to to such a degree that you become vulnerable i think is is kind of what we've landed on totally yeah and i think i think a lot of people fall into the trap of like continuing to treat their symptom like oh my you know, this hurts. So I'm gonna, oh, I, sh I need to ice more. I need to stretch this more because then it feels better. Um, but I think it's so key. And that's kind of what we covered today is zooming out and being like, well, why does this keep happening in the first place? Like, what am I, 
what am I doing in my training or what am I not doing that's creating this outcome for me as opposed to being like, oh, this, you know, this hurts. So I have to, I have to like address it this way and really getting it on the back end of things and hopefully preventing it from popping up in the first place. Cool. All right. That, that's excellent. Thanks, Gab. I think that's a really nice way to leave it. Is there, if someone is interested in your work and the things you're talking about today, is there somewhere you'd like to direct them to that they might be able to learn more from you and maybe connect with you? Yeah, that's great. Um, my main form is on Instagram. So my uh, handle is moonshot underscore running. Um, and definitely feel free to message me or whatever. I'd love to love to chat more with with anyone. So moonshot running. Can you tell us more yeah, about that? name? Running. Yeah, so a moonshot is like a big, a big scary goal. And, um, you know, when I first started working with runners, it was kind of it's kind of this double meaning of you know, it was my moonshot as a PT to, um, you know, independently be able to work with people the way I wanted and help them, you know, do their big, scary goals. So that's, uh, it kind of just stuck and uh, that's where we're at. So I love it. Yeah. I like that name too. Uh, that, that is uh, really cool. A moonshot. And it's the same way I use that term is um, like if someone wants to kind of run their first marathon or do a, do a hundred mile race or, um qualify for boston like something that they think they could do but it not in the next year or two it's like something big and a little bit more intimidating um moonshot running i love it i wish i thought of that it's good <laughs> all right Gav, i'm gonna uh stop the recording there thanks for joining us <laughs>